0: Hey Blockheads, this is DM Mitch with the Dungeon Masters Block. This episode you're about to hear is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Today's audiobook recommendation is Homeland by R.A. Salvatore. Homeland is the first book in the Dark Elf trilogy, the origin story of the legendary hero, Dritz Dorden, a drow from the Forgotten Realms. Start with Homeland, and if you love it like I did, you can continue on with Exile and Sojourn. Go to audibletrial.com DMB today for your free audiobook and trial. Once again, help support us at The Block by going to audibletrial.com DMB for a free audiobook. Thank you. And now, here's the show.
1: everyone to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the players at your table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And today we are joined by Hashtag Magic Mark. again. We're going to be talking about guilds, and we are going to be talking about guilds specifically from the world of Ravnica and how to incorporate and pull ideas and information from those to incorporate them into your games and make your games even better. And so before we get into that, before we jump into the meat, we are going to be doing some five
0: star reviews. Our first five star review comes from Sam D. Erickson, and it is entitled Great Variety. Sam says, I'm almost halfway through this podcast. I started at episode one and I'm working my way towards the most recent. The variety of topics is fantastic. It's always really fun to follow along with Mitch and Chris's home campaigns. It's all the best parts of an advice pod and a play pod combined. Thank you Sam.
1: Thanks Sam. Our next one comes from Telemore, and it says I pod-cast wish I wish for more DMs block. A veritable fox's cunning for DMs. Questions are answered and answers are questioned when this pair are on the mic. Unique ideas abound in their aptly named creation and inspiration episodes, and their experience and adaptability is clear when we get a taste of their campaigns via story time. When I first started listening, I was so enthralled, I listened to the first 50 episodes of the podcast in a month, which was October 2015. Holy smokes. That is a lot of content to listen to in a month. DM skill aside, these guys have truly mastered the art of podcasting. They don't interrupt each other. The sound quality is fantastic. Hey, Chris, and Chris, Chris, and Chris, shut up. up. <laughs> and their microphone spatial awareness is obvious. If you DM, this is an absolute must listen. If not, this is an absolute must listen. <laughs> so take note because these guys are breaking new ground on what it means to be a good DM.
0: Pre of the trees is who this <laughs> is from. So thank you, Pre of Tell the them Trees more and Pre of the Trees. Two names there. The next one comes from Doug Four Nine Two, entitled "Great Podcast." You don't need to read this on air. <laughs> okay maybe we're not doing this This is what happens when you don't pre-read it all right well we don't obviously read ahead so doug 492 we won't read the rest of yours if that's what (laughs) your wish is so uh the next one then is from dm lebran child and lebran child says terrific great show excellent source of inspiration and dm knowledge each episode offers great advice for building up your game and your own game setting. Great job, guys. Keep it up. Thank you so much, DM Lebranch. Yeah, thank you very much. We will keep it up. And now, Chris, we will keep on going to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Carving up! Just a mouthful. No! (laughs) Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. All right, so for the meat today, we are talking about guilds. How to build a guild for your world, what the greatness of a guild can bring to your world. And then we are going to talk about guilds in the magic the gathering world specifically the ravnica world in magic the gathering and the inspiration that can be drawn from those guilds now if we're talking about something magic you guys know what that means we of course have to have magic mark hashtag sorry hashtag 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 yeah you cannot forget the hashtag with us and we do he is here say
1: hi hashtag magic mark hi everybody And we also asked some of our Patreon dragons who are on the forums to ask you a few questions to get to know you a little bit
0: better. So we have some questions that we're going to ask you. Our first question that comes from one of our Patreon dragons is for you to talk about the first time you played D&D with mitch and chris which is us so
2: okay so the first time i played with you guys because i had one previous experience and it was terrible and it (laughs) turned me off to rpgs for a good year and a half or so i I remember this yeah yeah mitch was there for that we we were both players in that yeah
0: well we were roommates in college housemates yes you and me
2: yeah so the first time I played D and D with you guys, Mitch's campaign, the original campaign, I think is mm-hmm. how we refer yes. to it, more the stomp or less. Campaign. The Stomp. <laughs> yep. My brain still registers as a, him as Chomp sometimes. <laughs> um, but anyway, they can. It took a good month or so to try and convince me to play um, with you guys. And ultimately, I caved because I do that.
0: Um, (laughs) Like you did with Magic. Yep, like (laughs) I I did with Magic. Like I did with so (laughs) many other things. You created a whole reward system for him doing things, too, didn't you? Because Hashtag Magic Mark is very, very into video games. So Mm -hmm. me and another one of our friends, Jason... Who plays Xavier, Chris, in yep. your campaign right now? Yep. We're like, we'll just create achievements for him to do. Yep. And being new D anD D players like we were at the time, we decided it'd be funny to create achievements that would basically throw any kind of actual good role playing <laughs> <he had laughs> yeah. out the window. <laughs> which I think was actually the basis for your character, which actually is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So we created achievements for like. Save a damsel in just distress, kill thirty people, <laughs> like yeah. who are innocent. Like lawful good achievements, then like chaotic evil. It was ones. like Skyrim all achievements were, yeah. that you had to play totally different characters yeah, to actually accomplish Which, which I would never ever ever tell anybody to ever <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah,
2: the idea I think behind it was to get me into it and to play multiple campaigns. Yeah. Was and then to, we would wean you off yeah, of the rewards. Was to get me started with like this achievement system of like, oh, I have to play a good character to get all the good ones ones so i seeking a loophole created a character with multiple personality disorder yep we came up with this fun system where it was basically mitch would blow a whistle every once in a while <laughs> I had a and that would like a and that would signal my my tick and i yeah. would switch personalities you'd and, roll
0: a d4 and basically it was yeah. like one, two, and three were the three personalities, and four was I stay the same or something uh, like that. Four was
2: I get to pick. Oh, yeah, yeah the, that's right. Four was so, you get to pick. So it was one of those like, I as a player get some control of the personality switch, mm-hmm. but it's rare. So anyway, I played uh, Raxis Shadow Walker, though the last name was developed way in the future. Um, <laughs> and so I played, I think it was like a half elf. Uh, Ranger, but he was a different class depending on his personality. But it was a blast, and I got hooked in so much that I think the achievements went away after a Session 1 or 2.
0: Well, it was so funny because looking back on what me and Jason did looking back on what I know now is like a DM and a player I'm like that was an awful awful thing to do in for d d because like uh, Chris and me you all, we always talk about how like we really really focus on story and we as players and everybody when we play the tale we want to create like believable characters and characters yeah, right, that right. not like are fun to play and like but they have like actual depth they don't just act like those Skyrim characters that they just choose whatever they want to do whenever the PC is just like I decide that I'll be evil today but even though it was something that looking back i'm like "Ah, i shouldn't we shouldn't have done that it created a character for you that right off the bat was like one of the most difficult most fun i think for you to role play as a character where you were you were simultaneously playing three characters in one person like kind of thing and it was it was brilliant and it once the group started to catch on they were like oh i think uh paladin caleb who was playing balfris the paladin at the time learned that if he smacked you hard enough you'd change <laughs> so yeah be like, oh, i think this is evil rexus smack 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 are, are you and then he'd like ask like how do you feel about me And if you cursed and spit on his face and be like all right we need to smack him some more <laughs> but it
2: was great it was great so that to this day i think is my my favorite character to Mm -hmm. have role-played through.
0: Yeah. Um, Because you were essentially
1: role-playing, like, four different or three different characters. I
2: highly discourage first-time players to attempt this (laughs) because the hardest part was keeping track of basically three different character sheets. Mm -hmm. I had, like, a notebook that had, like... Things that only this personality remembers. Yeah. Um, journal so that like, one keep personality track. wrote down. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. So And there was often times where, I think we one time I got a sizable amount of gold and we went to the <laughs> bank and I put it in the bank. But only one character knew like the, the password, password to get into the bank. <laughs> so whenever I wanted to go get my money, I yeah. had to be like, okay, what personality am I in? Balfour I don't swear, even I know there's money anatomy. in the bank. <laughs> um, one personality was like, the good the good one and for he lack was of just a chronic spender yeah he like... just spent everything and it, was, it, did, it wasn't even good stuff it just no. be like ah he like, bought a porcelain stomp, bunny he rabbit spent,
0: like thousands of gold on stuff oh yeah like making stop a little castle basically. yeah exactly and yeah. It,
2: it was just frivolous spending and the one of the personality was super greedy <laughs> so there was this all this conflict just within my character really hard to keep track of lots of fun to role play
1: yeah our Patreon dragons asked if I were to design an NPC based on your life and legend, what race would it be? And what occupation would it have
2: about me as a,
1: a you and your legend you.
0: <laughs> hashtag magic Mark,
2: he die at level six. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. I need to come up with race and class of race and occupation. Of, yeah. Of occupation race. Well, I'm a human. I don't know how to think of <laughs> myself as something other than human. Yeah, human. I'm not gonna branch out into other possibilities, <laughs> just for terror of it. Maybe a lapid, just because I've now had th- two characters that are lapids, and I've gotten really into that. You them. seem
1: like a lapid.
2: Yeah, I just I'm you not, are not a lapid. I'm not perky <laughs> enough.
0: You do not have the energy. Yeah, to be a lapid. I'm a lot more. I'm a lot more cynical than your average lapid. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you when are. I look at you, I see
2: Rick's. <laughs> <laughs> and then class, uh, occupation, occupation peasant uh, I'm, right. I'm not a big risk taker in real life um, I don't like risking my bodily state um, for the sake of adventure so yeah I'm gonna be a peasant yeah. I work at an internet school so yeah I do truancy stuff. So if you ever want your kids kicked out of school, I'm your guy. I
0: think most of us would be peasants if we had to to come to terms with it. So most of us who play Dungeons and Dragons are not going to be the ones running around. (laughs) Yeah, that is very, very true. Anyway. (laughs) I
2: think there's a Christmas episode where I go into detail as what peasant me would look like.
0: There you go. Um, (laughs) Go back and find that. There's only two of them so far. Anyway, our next question is, now that you have been Hashtag Magic Mark for so long, have you actually taken up magic and taken your show on the road?
2: Uh, not yet. Um, <laughs> it's in yet? the plans? I, I know how to turn a few card tricks.
0: Okay. Um, you can make a
1: coin disappear between a two-year-old's head because they don't know any better?
2: No, Magic the Gathering.
1: Oh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, the road show... Maybe if DM's block also did a traveling thing, I might be like okay. like the opener kind of thing. That would but be,
0: dude, that would be sweet. We need to, like, when we go to a con like bring hashtag magic mark and you need to learn how to be a magician for it okay like that yeah Uh, i do card tricks
2: with magic cards
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah and you you could get you could pull out rabbits from a hat but the rabbit is like ricks like (laughs) like ricks or sev you can name it ricks or sev the rabbit this
1: is perfect (laughs) keep
2: track of the titanic growth everyone
1: (laughs) was elspeth your card all right i think we have two more right yeah our last two questions are when signing autographs do you include the hashtag before you name yes yeah all right and will you sign a magic card and mail it to me
2: sure you have to send me the magic card though i'm not <laughs> giving you any money
1: just you would you would
0: send him like a a, a Poor island card or something. Yeah, some like sort of lame common. Yeah. <laughs> they send you like a really cool mythic. They're just like it's like a holographic like, oh, I, I totally geez. want him to sign this and like never get it back. Yeah. <laughs> they tricked me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'd put it in a sleeve and so it.
0: if they want to do that, how can they get in touch with you and get your address? Uh
2: you can email DM's block and okay. those guys can get in contact with me. <laughs> All right. There <laughs> All you right. go.
0: There All we right. go. All well, those <laughs> are our interview questions for hashtag magic Mark. Let's actually start getting down to some business let's start talking about guilds and how they can be a great thing in your D &D world so first off what is a guild if you don't know what a guild is basically a guild is a group of individuals or an association that are either like-minded or they have the same goal or craft or kind of skill kind of thing
2: like a merchant's guild or a blacksmith's guild
1: Yeah, I mean, you could do, like, a mercenary guild. That's kind of a classic trope Mm -hmm. where you guys are a part of a group that gets paid to go out on adventures or save people. I mean, you could be thieves. You could be wizards. You could be an assassin's guild like the Dark Brotherhood from Skyrim type thing. Skyrim's a
0: great example for guilds. They have a lot
1: of different guilds within
0: their their world, and I absolutely love them. The only one I haven't done is a mage guild. (laughs) You got the Artisan's Guild. You can have a Bard's Guild. Like, a Bard's College is pretty much a Bard's Guild. The Banker's Guild from... Game of Thrones is a great oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 The Iron entire, Bank. Yeah, they rule the entire mm-hmm. city and the mm-hmm. all of the economy with their guild. It's a great example of that. But, yeah, those are all different kinds of examples of different kinds of guilds that you can have in your cities, in your towns, in your countries, wherever they may be.
1: Well, and what I really like about guilds, too, is that when you're thinking about starting a campaign, they mm-hmm. can be a great opener oh, to yeah. any campaign because they're a great place to start. They they unite all of your PCs right off the bat. Like you say, hey, you know, when you did your Sons of Bastion campaign, yep. it wasn't necessarily a a guild, it was it was an orphans home, but it was essentially a guild for it was a guild. lack of better terms. <laughs> so it was a place where we could all start out, we all knew each other, we were all friends based off of a common interest. And so if you're a part of a mercenary guild, you're going to be mercenaries for the most part or whatever. So you have a place that you can constantly call home as well. So if you're looking for one area that people constantly come back to, or if their guild is a part of a city, they might help flush out other settings within that city or different places within the city because that is a place where they call home they constantly go back it feels like a safe place and they can help you in so many different
0: ways by being a part of that guild i think that a lot of dms sometimes have difficulty and i've heard players before say hey you're the dm you have to give me a reason to be with this group and to some degree, I think the DM should have an an idea of why does this group want to be together? But it, to some degree, too, it's up to the player to create a character that will, that will work with the group and figure out why does my character want to be with this group? But a guild is a great way, like you said, Chris, to start it off and you give all the characters a place. All right, you can make a character and you can make him whatever alignment you want to, but he has to fit into the ideas of this guild. And maybe right. it's a good thing to, when you start, when you do character creation night and you're creating characters, say you're all starting as members of this guild. And here are the tenets or whatever it is that these guilds believe in. And this is the reason this guild exists. And this is, something that you want your character to fit into because we're starting out this campaign and you've already been part of this guild for some amount of time.
2: Well, you could even go as far as having the players sit down before creating characters and have them cooperatively create the guild as well. Yes, that would be sweet. Do this conversation of, okay, what is the core value of us as a group? Then you create the guild and then you go, all right, now make characters fit into this guild. Yeah. So you can even give them ownership over that starting point, but still give them a framework to fit within as far as players and characters. Yeah, you
0: could you could fit their their different alignments and their different beliefs and their different goals and go, how does this fit fit into this guild that you guys want to create? You can even make an evil character in that sense work with a guild that's primarily good because maybe a a guild that's primarily good, maybe they realize maybe they've had things happen in their history that sometimes you need somebody <laughs> to do something that you are not willing to do. right? And so maybe that's where your evil character fits in. I'll get my hands dirty yeah. when you can't do that. That's and then that person sits in the corner all the time, and people are like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's scary-eyed Joe.
1: Stay away from scary him.
0: Scary-eyed <laughs> <I>, Joe. <laughs> He's like cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah. But the man, can he throw a dagger? Yeah. 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 But man, can he throw a mean <laughs> dagger? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's that's a. I think that's a great idea. If you want to start a new campaign with a guild being the starting point Point. let your players come up with the guild and what's the guild name and they'll they'll immediately from the get-go be invested in the guild because it's something that they created together and so when you when you're talking about a guild there's usually some sort of hierarchy within
1: these things too and so whether it's you creating it or your players creating it you have to think through who's in charge what's the hierarchy look like for this type of thing is it a guild master is it one person calling the shots is it guild masters who maybe see over a specific age ranges or specific jobs within Mm -hmm. the guild or whatever is it is it multiple guild mages or is it a council who there's like eight to ten or however many people that that create the vision for the guild and move forward is it is it something that that's their job as a part of the council to do that to give out assignments to recruit people that type of
0: thing so i think when you're creating a guild and you're creating like the history of the guild and why is that guild there you need to decide what is the purpose of this guild? Why was this guild created in the first place? Was it for profit? I mean, for a, a merchant's guild or a mercenaries guild or a banker's guild, obviously profit is going to be at the top tier of what is important to this guild. They are in this guild. You're becoming a part of this guild because this is going to be your job. This is going to be your primary source of income. And for those at the top, like the guild master or the guild masters or the council, they may be in it to get filthy stinking rich. (laughs) And if there's a issue of corruption here, that's probably where it stems from. But profit is a reason why guilds are created and stick around and are a huge purpose to having a guild
2: could also have it built around knowledge and both sharing and gaining of it. It can reflect in the game with crafting and magic and things like that. But knowledge comes down to, you know, that could be your artisan guilds, you know. A city has blacksmiths in a guild so they can Mm -hmm. all share how to make that fancy pants mithril armor that everybody
0: wants to buy. Or even like a bard's guild can teach them... Like, let let me teach you something called a haiku. Right? Like, uh, you know, teaching different poetry styles, teaching yep. different, like, writing styles kind of thing.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely a good foundation for sharing of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then you can at least explain why this city run by elves has one dwarf blacksmith making stuff. <laughs> um, because the guild thought it was fitting for yeah. him to be there.
1: <laughs> Poor guy, they hated him. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs>
2: But those elves really like to buy that mithril, <laughs> and the the dwarven merchant guild sends it his way because it makes a lot of money and there's profit. So there's a lot of good ways to have sharing of knowledge and spells and magic and, you know, magic guilds, you can be like, hey, I'm a wizard, fill my spell book, please.
0: Yeah, and maybe there's certain guilds that only know certain spells that they have figured out a secret spell and people would love to know but the only way that you're going to be able to get that magic spell is being part of this guild and maybe there's even different tiers of the guild like you don't get you don't just sign up to this guild and get this spell. Like you need to be higher up. It's off. like
2: Scientology. You got to pay your exactly.
1: way. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then if you try to leave and keep your spellbook, Scary Eye Joe comes after you. And tries oh to no, you. Scary <laughs> Eye Joe! It
2: could also be interesting to have a world in which, like, the different schools of wizardry. The, yes. The ne- different there's magics. the necromancy yeah. guild, and the only way to learn necro spells is to hang out with those guys. That yeah. would be
0: sweet. Uh, That'd be great. All
2: the way into that club.
0: And then there can be even different, like you said, like crafting, but there can be other more mundane types of knowledge that people are going to for certain types of guild, like history. And that doesn't mean that you are like, ah, I want one of my characters to be part of this. But if your characters are trying to find something about history out, well, obviously they can go to the library and search, but maybe another option would be, oh, let's go to the historical guild in the city. Like they will have somebody there who is an expert at this period of time in our history. That would be a great place to go.
2: The Librarians Guild in the nation shares books and knowledge. So, yeah, it's gonna take six months for that book to get here from Orenthal, but you know, (laughs) we can give it to you. We can give
1: it to you nonetheless. (laughs) You could also orient yourself around the idea of adventure. I mean, we have people that do this all the time in our world that are like, man, we should all go to New Zealand and go exploring caves there and things like this. And you know, you could have people that just decide to get together to go and explore they hear about ancient lost treasures or something like that and they decide hey we're gonna go and find this classic idol that we are gonna bring back and it's going to be a trophy for us essentially or we can go and find this old burial site where you know all of these ancient warriors were laid to rest and we can find all these great weapons that we can then sell and make a whole bunch of money off of and so you could have it specifically just simply around adventuring and trying to make as much money around adventuring as
0: possible. I think the hired heroes guild is definitely an example of that. Like there are obviously profit is something that they need because that's their income. But I think Sev like really enjoys adventuring and part of the reason he's in this guild the hired heroes is because he doesn't want to be part of a mundane lifestyle. He wants to get out there and adventure and come across things that he hasn't and do things that he hasn't. Yeah,
2: he definitely has that desire to experience new things. And he tried the mundane lifestyle and just got really, really bored. (laughs) So he definitely but coin is not a bad thing in his mind either.
0: Another reason I think that a guild can have been created and can be the purpose behind the guild is protection. And once again i think this is a big thing for malil with the hired heroes group is he wants to protect his city he wants to protect his people he wants to protect his country he wants to protect people and be a a good force in the world and that's our next one righteous cause but also uh, as far as protection like you can have a guild set up a druid's guild that is all set up to protect Nature, maybe a specific forest, maybe a, for a specific reason. A guild that maybe is set up to protect an artifact. We have s- stories like in uh, the Da Vinci Code about a, a yeah. guild that's set to protect the Holy Grail. Like there are artifacts in a D and D universe that are powerful enough that they might have needed an entire guild to spring up around them to protect those artifacts maybe it's a a guild of lawful good characters protecting an artifact that is extremely chaotic evil that can't be destroyed and their only purpose is to keep it secret and keep it safe and not let anybody get to that Just, like, evil Yeah, exactly <laughs> keep well, obviously that's keep it where i pulled secret. that out from. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. like that would be a real reason to have a guild to keep something from getting out into the world
2: Think of how frustrated those paladins would be with like that chaotic evil in the back of their head, like that itch that's just like <laughs> I sense it over there. I know, but right. I I right. gotta keep yeah. everybody not coming towards. But it.
0: but also that'd be so great for paladins being able to sense the aura of that that magical item because if it disappears, you know that it's gone. Oh and yeah. Oh my goodness, we need. Where did yeah. it go?
2: <laughs> oh no. I think it's a big thing to remember that in a especially in a fantasy setting, the importance to just have a banner to fly and march under. It's what kind of makes guilds more relevant in that setting than, like, in the here and now. But you could think of it as, like, corporate logos. Like, I work for this company. is much more or less a guild um, in modern times. But having these guilds and having, like, this thread that binds groups together is just kind of a big deal, especially in a fantasy setting where you don't necessarily have, we we march for this nation, because that's too large of a scale more often in a small player setting. I guess if you DM for 610 people, you can... <laughs> You can have a whole other mess of problems, but... <laughs> that's where LARPing comes in handy. I gets. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so So having that more focus than a national-type level can come down to a
1: guild. And I think another reason, too, that guilds are often formed is because they either have some righteous cause, like they're given a mission from the gods that's a very righteous cause to go after, or at the same time... You could be given something that is purely driven by evil and hatred and you have an evil cause that you're going
0: after. When I think of Guild 2, I think a lot more of the everyday man is usually creating this. It has nothing to do with the government a lot of the times but it can still have that righteous cause and it still can be for country like i thought of like taking the idea of minutemen from like our american history and putting it into a fantasy setting of just everyday guys that are part of a guild that maybe most of the time they just sit around and the guild house is just a place where they go to meet and it's more like a clubhouse right. but like if you join the guild you are saying in times of war we will raise up arms when we are needed to protect our country Like, even if they're not sanctioned soldiers. Right. And they might even be, like, a joke in their own land. Like, oh, (laughs) yeah, those guys. Those guys. Oh, yeah, you guys are soldiers sitting around your guild house playing Parcheesi or whatever. Yeah. But, like, like, maybe comes a time in history where the country is literally saved by this guild because it's so widespread that people and people do stand up and people do fight for their country and fight for a righteous cause or whatever it is. Another reason I think a guild can be created is possibly revenge. Maybe some other guild did something to their land, and then a guild rose up from the ashes to take revenge on another guild or on another country or whatever it is. A guild can be created because they want to take revenge on another people.
1: I think like if if there was like an assassins guild that was a part of a city, and they yeah. they messed with the wrong person's family, and then all of a sudden out of that is like created this anti assassin guild the assassin guild. assassin <laughs> guild yeah, yeah where they are the all assassin, sudden, like, assassin? It's, it's purely out of revenge because they they killed somebody that somebody loved and they had the power and the means to do something about it. Like, revenge is a huge motivator for a lot of different things. And I think when
0: you're thinking about all of these types of why is a guild created, what is their purpose, it is interesting if you, if you want to get into, like, the history of your guild, did that purpose come from the original founder or was it changed over time? Like, was the original person or people group who put together this guild, was their same purpose the same purpose that now runs the guild or has it changed throughout time do the people of this guild still look back to the original founder and like quote sayings of that original founder is there Like paintings on the wall exactly and stuff like yeah, them? yeah exactly is it they are still prevalent to what the guild stands for today and i think
1: too when whenever you have a guild within a city there's oftentimes competing guilds too so mm-hmm. you think of like the stone axe guild from hired heroes there's an opposing guild that or guilds or guilds <laughs> we who don't really know potentially yet potentially do the same thing but do it differently and you know think their way is is better and so that could be i mean uh, com- competitive guilds can be started for many different reasons once again profit driven somebody thinks they're in the guild and they're they're getting less profit than what they think they should and so they split off because they think they can Make more money. They're not happy with getting their 10% of the cut. They want the 100% of the cut. And so they can start out for that specific reason.
0: We're going to talk a little bit about Ravnica Guild soon. Yeah. And territory and power are, are also huge in Ravnica. Like, we control this area this is controlled by this guild. Don't come in here if you're part of another guild, unless it's for peaceful purposes. In some cases, don't come in here at all if yeah, you're part of another yeah. guild because we'll kill you. And power, too. Like, sometimes guilds are driven completely by power, and I want to gain more power than this guild. And then sometimes it crosses the line of a competitiveness and crosses that line into that, like we just said, with some of the guilds of Ravnica, if you come into our territory, we're going to kill you, and violent actions are taken. And they're not just a competitive guild, but they're an enemy guild, and it might even escalate to the point where you have a war between guilds. All right, so let's start talking about the Magic the Gathering guilds from the world of Ravnica. So we're going to go down the list here of the ten guilds, And talk a little bit about who the guild is, who works for the guild, what they do, and then talk about how it can be like inspiration for a guild in your world of D&D. So the first guild is the Azorius Senate, and they are both blue and white. Now, Mark, what was their original purpose in the world of Ravnica?
2: They were originally intended to be the governing body. They were... I mean, Senate's in their name. You know, they're kind of all in charge of making the rules, developing the rules, being that foundation of society, of being in charge and in control, and developing the system from which society would work. So their big signet flavor text is the maze-like design embodies the core of Azorius law, strict structure design to test the wills and stall change.
0: These guys are the the bureaucrats, and in some instances, I feel like you might look at them and be like, ah, they're they a good guild, but corruption, I think, runs deep whenever you get to this point. Well, corruption,
1: if it runs deep, it's going to be very hard for it to get out of the government because they create such structures that, like they said, are designed to test wills and stall change because they're a maze-like structure that's set up. Yeah, it's very much...
2: About to keep things the way they are and just keep things moving along. Not necessarily quickly. It's a rule. It's very bureaucratic. It's very, there's a process. And if you don't do the process the certain way, go back to the beginning and start all over. They're
0: lawful neutral. They they aren't going to show mercy. They're They're about, okay, this is, you did the crime. <laughs> You're going to do the time. <laughs> we don't want to hear about it. We don't want to hear about why you did it. It's, you pay the punishment for whatever it is. A equals B. They are the gavel of the judge. You brought. You said before they are like the creatures from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The Vogon. They're totally like the Vogon. Yeah.
2: I feel like Azorius offices are very much like the DMV, except there's like six layers of lines.
1: <laughs> and then you actually have to go through a maze to get to the point yeah, you want to like get you, to. You
2: walk in and you talk to the first person and they tell you what form you need. And then you have to get in a line to get the certain form you need and then you get to that form and it's like oh this is 101-11c you need 101-11b but or, you don't or find that right one right form and
1: they tell you to take a ticket and sit down so it can be approved at the <laughs> yeah. next window yep yeah.
2: so you you know talking to like it's like a whole weekend process to get you know your parking ticket figured
0: out i think this would be a guild where paladins would just thrive in this guild in a DD world and just just uh the paladins in the sense that a lot of old school i think dnd players would think of paladins as mm-hmm. in they're they're just there to set the law and like almost like the brainwash just like the law is my personality kind of paladins yep. would, would just fit into this type of they're guilt. so
1: righteous it's type of it's almost a type of evil mm-hmm. type of thing
2: there's just so much structure to how they do things they kind of remind me also of like the senate in star wars and the prequels mm-hmm. you know the thing that made those movies boring <laughs> was watching a whole bunch of people talk about how things are supposed to be in a giant room with weird hover things. I feel like the Azorius Senate does everything exactly that way except without the hover things. I
0: imagine it's very showy about it too. Yes. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> everybody's
2: got like nice ornate like think, super yeah, elaborate exactly. outfits exactly. and they, you know, say it's like everything's in legal writing, so you have to spend like 20 minutes saying three words so you don't offend anybody or um, say something that could be misconstrued.
1: And so nobody can find a loophole within yeah. those three words.
0: It is
2: the opinion of this party that we...
0: So I think that that would be something great in a D&D game is a guild that is there to completely just make sure the laws of the land happen. I feel like it could be a guild filled with paladins and lawyers, like, of yep. D&D that go around, and if you break, like, little laws, like, you don't know about, and that that would be the thing. Like, all people would know that signet that they wear coming around, and they'd be like, oh, it's that guild again. Like, <laughs> better make sure just to stay out of their way, because they, they know anything that you do that even i don't know is against the law so just get away from them the way we feel about lawyers is the way they would feel about this guild yes and all of our lawyers so if you as a dm ever really want (laughs) to
2: frustrate your campaign party you can just give them a reason to have to visit this guild and have a conversation with like the leader but you have to have you know 11 conversations beforehand with people who are really disinterested There's the the trailer, I think, that was before Star Wars for the animated movie with the Oh, Zootopia. Yeah, Zootopia with the sloths. (laughs) sloths, Like I feel like those would be the great administrators of this. Like
1: You should make sloth humanoid creatures and
0: make them the (laughs) Azorius guild. Yeah, anthropomorphic sloths
2: are all the paperwork
1: processors.
0: (laughs) By the way, if there's any lawyers listening, we
1: love you. So the next one we're going to talk about is the Boros Legion and their colors in the world of magic are red and white. And their purpose is they are the righteous and zealous standing army of Ravnica. And examples of this would be the League of Wojak and the Boros army. And they are the enforcers of the Ravnican laws that were created by the Azorius Senate. And so I think even more than seeing the azoria senate people walking around in their garb with their logos and stuff these guys if you yeah. saw them walking around with like their red and white armor on or whatever color you would give it in your world like you know these guys are not to be messed with it's kind of like in my campaign with the solarian knights that you guys ran into they would be essentially the the type of people that would be the boros legion within this world they're the ones that come in that are called when there are rules that are being broken and people need to be punished for what has been done they're
0: completely militant. They hold high regard for following your orders. Don't ask questions. Just follow the orders and do what your commanding officer told you. They're a military is what they are in a guild form. They're a guild that you join and then you become a part of this army.
2: It's a highly organized military force intended for security. I don't want to say like defense oriented, but they're, they're there for security. They're there to maintain and uphold rules and the law. The Azorius, if you get caught doing something wrong by the Azorius, you're going to get arrested. You're going to have to go through all of the process, blah, blah, blah. The Boros, you get caught doing something wrong. Chances are it will be more of a Judge Dread scenario <laughs> um, yeah. where they go, oh, you broke the law. This is your punishment and thwack you with their club. <laughs> yeah,
0: Mercy, <laughs> will find, is not really, when you get to the Ten Guilds of Ravnica, is not really a thing. It's <laughs> not
2: really a common thing. Yeah. <laughs> no. These guys are much shorter fused than the Azorius. The Azorius are going to be patient and methodical. The Boros Legion is going to be like we need to do something and we need to do it now.
1: And we need to do it with power and force.
2: Yes. Yeah. So they're they're very much more urgent than the Azorius. If the Azorius is avoiding change, the Boros is like, we need to change. They're the guys who are storming into that uncomfortable room with all the <laughs> floaty bowls and going, Shut up, we need to do this. They're the palpatine in the scenario of, All right, it's time to stop talking about it and actually do some change. Alright, up next we have House Demir. Their colors are blue and black. They provide espionage, smuggling... Burglary, counterintelligence, assassination, and other illegal services for the Ravnican populace. Although its patrons are unaware that they are in fact employing the guild, instead thinking they are employing the guildless mercenaries or other guilds such as Rakdos, the guild is so secretive that even its own agents do not know who they truly work for. Demir officially is a guild that does not exist. It's like the Area 51 kind <laughs> of concept where, you know, anybody asks any questions and then i cannot confirm nor deny the existence of house demir and it's so secretive that most of the general population doesn't even know that it's around it's other names are the the unknown guild or the 10th guild so they they don't have a name The people just talk about how there's these nine big deal guilds and there's always this other one kind of lurking its emblems are typically secret. I think of like in the movie Blade, where they have like the vampire symbols outside of clubs. Oh, yeah. That like nobody really understands why they're there, but vampires know like that means this is a vampire place, right? But I think Demir kind of institutes like that same system of like you see a black dot somewhere with like a blue line around it, and you go, that's how we know that this is like a Demir place.
0: Well, and people who are going to see the Demir. Signet are going to be the members that know that they're part of the guild. Yep. <laughs> and those who are going to be assassinated by these these guild members, and I kind of like that because that kind of, to me, reminds me of, like, the black spot from, like, pirate lore of, like, yeah. once you see it, you're dead. Yeah, from Treasure
1: Island. I wonder, too, for this type of guild, if you were to incorporate it, like, if nobody knows about it, how in the world do you get into this sort of guild? Like, yep. what type of thing do you have to do in order to get in there. Or is it from, like, you're already doing illegal things, and, you're, and your reputation catches up with the the house of Demir, and then they send somebody to contact you. Almost like the uh, the Dark Brotherhood in Oblivion, when you, like, kill somebody in their sleep or whatever, or, like, if an innocent person. And then all of a sudden you have that one real creepy guy <laughs> that shows up in the hotel room you're staying in and is like, hey come to this place. We have this thing that we need to talk about. Like, I almost imagine it's like this, your reputation would almost catch up with them. And then they would ask you to be a part of house Demir. And that's part of the reason why nobody knows them because (laughs) you can't just walk in their front door and say, Hey, I want to join and do illegal things. And if
0: you get asked to join and you don't want to join, they're going to kill you because they don't want anybody to know about them. So, it's either join us or die. And if they ever sense any sort of disloyalty, they're going to take people out because they don't want people going and telling their secrets. And I'm sure in this world, it helps that every now and then somebody might do a little bit of a whisper about this guild to, it might help in the fear of it. And a lot of people have probably already built up the, like, that's not a real guild. Like, shut up. Like, you're yeah. just spreading stupid rumors. Like, you're an idiot.
1: Like, Or there's, like, the crier on the town corner who's screaming it out. Like, you need to know about the house, Demir, type People thing. think they're nuts. And yeah. then, yeah, yeah, and then a crazy. dart
2: flies into his neck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Died of natural crosses. Yeah, I'm yeah, going right. <laughs> <laughs> <gonna laughs> to pull out the Star dark. Wars reference again. And mm-hmm. they're very much like the Sith, especially yeah. in the, the prequel era of Star Wars, where, you know, there's the rule of two. There's always two a master and apprentice no more and no less and people talk about the sith they don't exist they haven't been around in centuries
0: like (laughs) that can't be true
2: yeah that can't be true they're a myth i swear it. and then all of a sudden you know like little blips of evidence come up Mm -hmm. here and there every once in a while but it's never enough to say anything for sure well and when
0: you know the star wars story it's like the the sith lord is under your nose the entire time but nobody suspects it at all. So I mean, that is until very it's too dimir. late. Yeah, until it's until it's too late. I love the aspect of even some people working for the Demir Guild don't know that they're working for the Demir Guild, but instead think that they are working for other guilds. Like somebody in that guild, like has created this conspiracy and so they would get like hire people for an assassination attempt on somebody in the boros guild and they get this assassination job and they're like this comes directly from those high up in the Ractus guild mm-hmm. but instead it's the Demir guild and that is First of all, that's brilliant with masters of this espionage kind of thing going on because then when the Boros Guild finds out, they're going after the Rakdos Guild. And then eventually, even if the truth comes out, they've already shed blood over it and there's already enough fighting and they're just like, wait, where did this come from in the first place? It's brilliant. It's such it's such a great, awesome way to have a guild built around assassinations and all that secrecy. And I, I love it. I would love to implement into a DD game a guild like this that nobody knows about and like hire the PCs without their knowledge to do their evil bid- bidding.
1: Yeah, I imagine like if they dressed up as they would, they would be like the masters of disguise, that they would be the ones that pose as the government agent who's telling them to do away with this thing. So they do it so well that the person. When they do that job, get arrested, they're like, no, it was this person that was a part of the Azuria Senate, and it's like, we can't find him. Like, yeah, he's exactly. No, you know, like, that guy doesn't exist yeah. type thing. Like, it's it's brilliant on so level Or your levels. PCs
0: are told, like, when you finish this job, you return to the guild hall and talk to the guild master of this guild. You go there, and they're like, we never hired you for this job. What are you talking about? And then your PCs, and how, I mean, let's be honest, DMs out there, how easy would it be to have an NPC come to some of your PCs, have the signet of a guild or whatever it is, maybe the king or something, and they're part of this secret guild, and to give a job to your PCs and say, when you're done, return to the castle and speak to this person, and he will reward you. And how many of your PCs are going to go let's go check to make sure this isn't, if you're the kind of DM that does this all the time to your players, maybe they will. But like, I I'm sure obviously now I can't, but I could have done this, you know? And like you go to the castle and they're like, we didn't hire you. And your PC is just, Going on here, but you <laughs> Wait, promised so us we a just million goals for <laughs> no reason or whatever it is. Like, yeah, we did the dirty work,
1: yeah. Or they're the type of people that you go and do the job, they tell you to return back to the place to get and your award, and then they kill you, yeah. <laughs> they like do away with we didn't, you. We didn't want that, yeah.
2: <laughs> the founder of the house, Demir, was a shape shifting vampire, perfect. That's he lived perfect. forever, and he just was could be whatever he wanted to look like so it is one of those how do you get into the guild maybe it's just always the same eight people it's like it's a guild of vampires that have lived forever
0: maybe it's family like or maybe yeah. demir is a family name and not necessarily in the magic lord but if you're creating a, a guild like this in your world maybe it's a group of families that they're old families in a city that have this guild and i i mean i'm gonna pull out a dc reference here so i guess i can pull out a twilight reference but i'm not going to (laughs) the court of owls is absolutely house demir this old rich families that control gotham but nobody even knows that they exist until a court of owl night is down on you and you're dead
1: (laughs) Uh, So the next one that we have is the Golgari Swarm, and I love love the Golgari Swarm. Their colors are green and black, and so what that essentially means is they are the embodiment of both life and death. (laughs) Like, the guild believes that life and death are both natural and are both essential to the cycle that are necessary for any world. I mean, you think about a forest. A forest burns down, the forest dies, but out of that, brand new life is brought forth with these new plants that are... Are created and so growth and thus power however they they slowly but ruthlessly inevitably become this swarm because they believe both in life and death and necromancy and so their numbers eventually just keep growing with dead zombie creatures that are a part of their guilds and people that are both alive i mean if you if you ever look at the cards this is the epitome of what is in that guild you have cards that are both zombies and you have cards that are both living and even their deity itself is called the god zombie so it's one of those things that it's just like how much more alive can you get than being a god who's immortal and how much more dead can you get than being a zombie and so these this group just
0: it embodies both life and death in such a a real and amazing way overwhelm your enemies with sheer numbers that when those sheer numbers die we will raise them up again and overwhelm them again like it really is a numbers and a death is not the end kind of thing. And it Golgari is absolutely a bunch of crazy nutcases that are zealous about this fact. I mean, their leader is a lich, basically. But yeah, they
1: they both help living things continue to grow at the same time, and so they value both life. Yes. So they could be potentially part druid, part necromancer who loves seeing things flourish, and at the same time, like, if you if there's a way to gain more power by raising the dead, they're totally going to do it at the same time. Yeah,
2: I think a big thing with them is they're like, "Oh, you died? Oh, that's just a small blip. Yeah. We can fix that."
0: Like Oh, not even like they appreciate yeah. it. It's, yeah. that's part of that's part of the process. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's just the next step. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about Ravnica is it's a plane that's basically the dead never leave. So this is a great place for the Golgari Swarm to come into play. Um, It's because there's something off with the plane, so souls could never leave to go somewhere else. So when someone dies, they are still in Ravnica. It comes into play with the Golgari. Uh, Later on, we'll talk about the Orozov And it's this concept in the plane that the dead never leave. So there's lots of dead to work with for the Golgari.
1: Well, I love their flavor text that they have. It says, depending on your point of view, the seal represents a proud guardian of the natural cycle, or one who has sold her soul to the darkness of eternal life and it's just (laughs) like yeah it just it totally depends on either what moment you catch them in at one moment they could be like tending to a grove and making it grow and at the other moment they could be raising something dead that died just outside of it and so it's they're raising zombies as gardeners (laughs) yeah yeah it it could yeah it could be completely something like that yeah
2: there actually is a card. It's like rot farm skeleton, and it's a, it's a skeleton whose job is to just plow the field. Like it's they definitely utilize the dead to cultivate life, which is something you rarely see in fantasy, which is kind of cool.
0: But what you said, Chris, originally about you could have in this kind of guild in a D and D world, you can have druids that are multi-classing as necromancers. That idea to me, I don't want to like just skip past that because I that to me. As somebody who is a player in D&D, that sounds fantastic. Because when I play a druid, I think a lot of the times I get into the classic druid. When I play a necromancer, of course I'm going to get into the classic necromancy mindset. But when I play a multi-class druid necromancer, you have to really rethink what who is this character what is their motivations and when you come up with a whole guild that's like that that's just that's crazy and it's, i think yeah. would be an amazing guild for dnd world necromancy and druids together as one group and not only one group but multi-classers that are doing both of those would be crazy.
2: You can take the like classic concept of a druid that's all about balance and like for every good action there needs to be an evil action cuz they're true neutral or whatever and you could kind of flip it to being a balance of life and yeah. death. Yeah. So for yeah. so every time something is born in this world, something needs to die. Yeah. And every time something dies, he has to go find a way to create life. So he could like in combat, like kill three dudes and then he has to go after combat and plant three seeds. Not
1: just raise them from the dead, but create, yeah. actually create new life yes. is the type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: so having that, that need to maintain the balance of, okay, I ended three lives today, so now I must create three more. And coming up with how to cycle that and maintain that.
0: Well, as- I imagine if you're in this guild too, that if you are really believing in what the guild teaches, then you are having a guild of members that aren't afraid of dying because dying is the next natural step. And then, I mean, you have a Lich Lord leading it. Like, they have died and they are still part of the guild and they're leading the guild. So you have a bunch of individuals that whatever they're trying to accomplish, which from what I see in Ravnica is usually power is what they're going after. Oh, yeah, totally. To spread their power everywhere. You have a bunch of individuals that don't fear death which is scary if you're part of any other guild or any other people <laughs> that live in this place. Yeah, it's like they're, they're
1: that type of group that you really hope doesn't decide to move and try to conquer the world while you're <laughs> alive. Like yeah, they, exactly. they, they're like the things of nightmares that people like, oh, be careful, or the Golgari Swarm's going to come and get you. And yeah, <laughs> They it, are they're, the things that go bump in the night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: and they are the only guild on Ravnica that practices necromancy. The Orozov utilize ghosts and like the afterlife, but Golgari is the only one who raises the dead.
0: It's a cool inspiration for a D and D guild that a lich has complete power over the guild. He is the guild master. Maybe it's got that demir like aspect to it that nobody knows that a lich is ruling a guild in your D and D world. But imagine like. Being a part of a guild and finally getting to meet the guild master stepping into a room and there's like a tomb and something rises out of the tomb and you find out this guild has been run by a lich the entire time. <laughs> that would be absolutely nuts.
2: You shake his hand and a finger comes off. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> Can I have that back? <laughs> well, it might even be that type of thing that nobody knows that the lich is running it. There's mm-hmm. somebody posing as the leader exactly. within the world too. Yeah,
0: Or even legends that like, oh, the original founder is still leading it and people are like, oh, that's just a legend. They died a long time ago. And yeah, they did, but they're still they're still in charge. The next guild that wanna talk about is the Gruul clans, and they are the colors of red and green. And so the Gruul clans were originally their purpose was originally to take care of nature. On the plane of Ravnica mm-hmm. however it's kind of I know Gruul cards I know like characters from Gruul and you look at them and you're like oh these are just savage crazy people that like are they're barbaric and whatever but it's kind of a sad story so basically they were put in charge of nature and as time went on on Ravnica civilization basically Ravnica's is a giant plane of cities and so Over time, the Gruul clans kept getting pushed back and back and back, and nature kept taking less and less and less of the planet, and it was more and more cities. And even people like the Slesnians, who believe in nature think that order is supposed to rule nature, and so they have their cities built into nature. And then the Simic Guild came in and said, we're going to take charge of nature. And basically, Azorius wrote, the Gruul clans out of the guild pack and said, they are not a, they're not a real guild. We have the Drameel guild who doesn't exist. And we have the Gruul clan who isn't seen as being a real guild, and it's this sad story of this guild who is pushed out and mistreated and abused. And now guilds like the Orzhov guild can go and enslave gruel clans without being against the law because they're not a real they're guild. Not, they're not breaking any yeah, sort of pack. They're not part have, yeah. of the guild pack. And so you just have these abused people that now there is no guild master for the gruel clans. They're just a bunch of broken up clans living in what is left of nature and the forests of Ravnica and they're just driven by this, we've been abused, we want revenge, we want nature to be able to flourish again without having any sort of, like, structure. So they, they have clan leaders like Borba who is a Cyclops and really strong, and people listen to him and respect him because he is so strong and he he is the embodiment of their anger. But there's no structure in this guild. It's just clans. That are just broken up and they've been abused and they're just split up now.
2: They started out a lot like Hagrid from Harry Potter, the yeah. Gameskeeper. <laughs> yeah, like much. he's a little bit wild, but you know he's more or less friendly to deal with. But then it's it's like almost like if Hagrid got pushed into the Dark Forest and just got left there to kind of fester on his own. Yeah, and the Dark Forest kind of. Twisted his mind and made Messed him a little mad. Yeah, um, so you get angry Hagrid. It's the same. Hagrid
0: comes back riding on a giant spider, wielding a great sword. Yeah, or he's yeah. still on his That's, motorcycle. I want to see that uh, Harry yeah. Potter
1: movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, J.K. Rowling,
0: if you're listening, yeah.
1: this is what we want the next series to be.
2: Yeah, it's like if Hagrid went mad. Is kind of how the Gruel Clan is now. The night Hagrid went Sorry. crazy, <laughs> and they they have this very tribal feel to them and they're very like ragey and natural and they all live in ruins now because the entire plane has become cities but there's not enough people to fill every building or so basically they go around from and like create this rubble belt is what they call it (laughs) throughout the whole city and they basically the city kind of like lives and rebuilds around the gruel and the gruel just kind of like are nomadic and just crush things and smash stuff out of their way and leave everything else behind and you kind of go back and forth between this the city grows and consumes the natural and then the gruel come and just go no we want this building gone and they smash (laughs) it so there's this cycle of just destruction behind them
0: and you know if you're coming into their territory because you're gonna find these markings of the gruel clan and their gruel signet. The flavor text says gruel territory markings need not be legible. The blood snot and muck used to smear them are unmistakably gruel, which is clearly being said by not somebody in the gruel clan. And that just shows like the terrible perspective that these the yeah. rest of the guilds have that these are not even people like these are just animals and it's it is it's really sad that these protectors of nature were kind of forced into taking up arms to protect themselves and now kind of have to make their own home but i think that'd be really cool in a dnd campaign to come across people and as players be told by all the lands and all the people that these people are Just barbarians, and they're animals, and they would just kill you on sight. And then to slowly figure out, no, it's actually civilization that has pushed these people out, and they are not bad. They're just struggling to survive at this point.
2: You could easily apply this to orcs in a world. Say orcs started out like civil and part of society but they were definitely more friendly with nature and and slowly racism kind of pushes them out and also the orcs kind of become less than human the perspective that is typically taken in most fantasy settings now and you have the orcs were noble and just as good as humans at one point and now they've become these savages that always are about war and fight back and though that might be a little bit true there's that extra layer of they once were something proud i don't know a lot about the warcraft setting but there's that concept that the the orcs were once a proud race like mm-hmm. they, they just came from a dying place and now they're here and humans just don't like them so that's why they're evil
1: you've watched the trailers haven't you <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited i've read up a little bit too yeah <laughs>
2: All right, up next we have the It League. They are red and blue. They are the group that's in charge of engineering and civic works, water supply, heating systems, indoor plumbing, boilers, roadways, all of the fun stuff that helps keep (laughs) a city thriving. They are obsessive and keen creative intellectuals who often have short attention spans. They're very gnomish in your general thought they're tinkerers. They like to create something, but they have a very short attention span. So it's not a surprise to walk into an it foundry and find like eight half-finished projects. Um, and typically... Uh, you see in the Izzits, they'll go, oh, let's take this uh, half-done thing and strap it to that uh, half-done thing and then strap it to that goblin over there and see what happens. So they're very, very experimental, but they are it's like a mad scientist with ADD is kind of a good way to describe like the it. <laughs> the Izzit League. Yeah, my favorite Izzit card is like this goblin that has like a jet pack and it's a goblin wizard. And it randomly deals one damage to anything on the table. So you roll a dice and it just whatever that it's you strap a jetpack to a goblet and you go, Who knows where's it gonna go? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a very clear card of what describes who they are. They're just kind of like uh uh this is a great idea. I'm going to work on this and then they wake up the next morning and they're like I have no idea what I was doing with that, but it looks cool. Um <laughs> and they create cool constructs sometimes. And they created this entire race that's called Weirds. Yeah, those and are they're, fascinating. They're like elementals that are just kind of like warped by energy. Um well, they're it... usually like
1: opposing forces, which is like yeah. water and fire together yes. and yeah. like earth and electricity together. Like, yeah. they just don't mix, and they somehow found a way to <laughs> they, make a They figured
2: out how to put it in a bottle, shake it up, and turn and, it and, into something Yeah, and turn
1: it into something that lives.
2: And so the, it's very much like they have a lot of, like, electricity. They're technomancers, is kind of how I like to put them. Um, and they have all these weird contraptions that do all sorts of crazy things. And they all started out because they tried to keep water flowing and warm water to showers and things like that. And they were like, how can we make this boiler better? Let's just put a fire elemental in there, huh? And <laughs> (laughs)
0: cedric would be part of this guild oh yeah totally (laughs) they are also ruled by niv mizzet who is a red dragon in the world of ravnica and they basically worship him as their leader it's pretty crazy so you have this red dragon running a guild full of mad scientists (laughs) i mean how much better does it get uh, than that
2: he's the draco genius and i think yeah, he's got like equations and stuff on his mm-hmm. wings sometimes.
0: And... <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, man.
1: the next one that we have is called the Orzov Syndicate, and they are the colors black and white. And essentially, what they are is they are the Ravnican Guild for business. So what that means is that nearly every business in Ravnica, it ties back to Orzhov in some devious way or another. And so this group is known for dealing with the dead when it comes to business, like ghosts, not necessarily necromancy, like... Bring
0: out your (laughs) dead. Yeah, not, not, not
1: necessarily like what the Golgari do, but they deal a lot with the dead. And so what's interesting is they once started out as a very proud religious organization. And so that's like what their white flavor of their group colors mean is that they have a very strong sense of community and tradition and they still go through the motions of all of their old type of habits that they had. They once worshiped gods, but they don't really worship them anymore. They just go through the motions to say they go through the motions and to Possibly appease the elders of the group who might want them to keep going through that, and at the same time, the black side of them means that they deal regularly with the dead, and they they never give to charity if they don't have to. So they're like, "Oh man, profit! We we are making so much profit from business, but we're not going to give any of it away because it's it's our money. We're going to do with it what we want." And they continually violate the spirit of the law that's within the world, if it means that it's going to promote their own success and so i think this is a really interesting idea for a guild this is really interesting too about their guild they are presided over by a council of ghosts so that could be that answers my question of like well maybe they do this to appease the elders they do this because the ghosts are still around yep and they're trying to uphold the values that the group once had and i imagine these ghosts are people that were a part of the original founding group and that's why they're like no you have to hold to the traditions even though the people that are in the group are like yeah we don't necessarily believe in the gods anymore
2: in magic the color white is all about the needs of the many and like all about society and in and black is all about the needs of the individual so what they did for this black and white guild was they turned it into the needs of the few so they have this concept of there's this ruling council and the entire guild's purpose is is to give everything it can to these few individuals. So they have this concept of we're going to get as big and stick our fingers in every freaking pie on the planet, and then we're going to take all of that and give it to these eight guys. And even if they're dead or alive or whatever, they get the biggest share of the pie.
0: And that's echoed so strongly in their signet, which is, tattooed on the body of the guild members and it is said that it is a the bearer the one who wears this tattoo is a slave to the Orzov syndicate it's it's basically a slave mark is what it yeah. is you don't belong as like oh you found a place of belonging but you literally belong you are yeah. a possession of our syndicate, of our guild. Yeah, what I
1: find really interesting about them too is that like the high-ranking members of the Orzov clan, they use magic to extend their lives. And so it's not even like they're not only bound and shown that they're a possession, they will do whatever they can to extend their lives at that point in time. And it's interesting, they continue to have offspring and the more and more they use magic to preserve their lives they become mutated and those mutations are passed on to their children as well. So it's (laughs) like you're not only affecting yourself when you do this, you're affecting – like the Orzov has effect on generations to come because of the things that – People have done to make sure that they're putting themselves first to make as much profit and stuff as possible. It's fascinating.
2: In utilizing the the ghost concept, they often say, even in death, your debt is not forgiven. And they often will utilize ghosts and spirits in their practices because that guy still owes me money and he better give me my money. So <laughs> he can't rest until... I get my 27 gold. Golgari
0: and the Orzov. like, if you're part of that guild, like, just because you die, that doesn't mean that you're done working with them. Which is awful. (laughs) I I imagine these guys being, like,
1: I imagine they could be, like, almost a secretive type group where it's, like, owners of businesses who become really wealthy in a world would join the Orzov guild to continue their own reign of, like, I am the one of the richest people in the world. I'm not ready to give this type of thing up yet. Like, that might be some way that you could play that within your world. That would be really interesting. I would love to,
0: like, in a and d world, like, the PCs, like, find, like, haunted houses. And they're like, oh, the terrible ghost that it haunts this house. And then, like, they go in the house one day and they hear the ghost crying of course he's going boo-hoo yeah right but then they learn that it's It's just like i'm i'm a slave of the (laughs) Orzov. yeah Yeah. (laughs) i don't want to haunt this house anymore (laughs) but i have to all ghosts are part of a big guild
2: (laughs) (laughs) you can go in part of this like this big huge house that you don't think is haunted but all of the residents are ghosts yeah and like the the head of the house is just this huge fat ghost um who's like I eat even though I'm dead. And like like just as gorging on everything and you just see like piles of food on the floor underneath it. Right. A lot of the leaders of the Orozov Guild are big and fat and like they're your typical gorgy over over fat, over everything. They probably die because yeah.
0: they choked on like a donut or something. <laughs> Let's just be honest. A donut that <laughs> would dissolve. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking like chicken bone or a something A Chicken bone. They- (laughs) (laughs) Our next guild is the Cult of Rakdos, and they are red and black. They are founded by an ancient demon called Rakdos, obviously, and their guild attends to menial labor and service industries, uh, which include some of the less savory offerings, which... Would be like assassination. That's why the mirror can get away with pretending that it's the Ractos right. Right, it would make sense. Yeah, who is trying to get the assassination jobs done? But then they have some other agreeable ones, such as catering and entertainment industries, <laughs> which is weird <laughs> to me. Which but. they'll
1: use to assassinate yeah, you. Exactly, yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love. First of all this is this is a very much a a cult one could argue is as as getting away from the guildness of it because it's it's a and told zealotus cult but i do love their signet because in the flavor text of the signet on the card it tells us a little bit about it it says made of bone and boiled in blood a ractos signet is not considered finished until it has been used as a murder weapon so your signet is not an actual signet unless you've used it to kill somebody.
1: Yeah. Well, I love some of the like alternate names that these guilds are given. Like one of these is called the Thrill Killers. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the names that's given to this Rakdos clan. Like they are absolutely insane at sometimes where they're just like we kill because we we kill. Like that's what we do. They're Mad Max war boys. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, oh, yeah.
2: They're crazy. They're insane. They travel through the city in what in torture circuses? So they're like they're entertainers, <laughs> like oh, it's a circus. So freaky, <laughs> but yeah, all of their art and everything is like spiky performers, mm-hmm. acrobats with like daggers and like weird headgear. That's all sorts of like spikes and black metal. And well, I just, love that
1: the guild masters are called ring masters yeah. in this group too, which is just imagine hilarious. Marilyn
0: Manson being in charge of Circus Olay. Like that yeah. is what. Ractos killed his. Basically. Do you mean, Marilyn Manson or Charles Manson?
2: A little bit of both. Either one. <laughs> they're co-leading. Either
0: one. Both. Imagine Charles Manson and Marilyn Manson in charge. With their I'm powers combined. Telling. They're both ringmasters. Oh. oh, gosh. Yes. Then you have the Ractos killed. Yeah. So they're... I'm so glad you we had that confusion there. I meant Marilyn Manson, but yes, yes is what I, yeah. I mean.
2: They're very gothic in appearance and art style. But with this like psychopathic side, I think Mad Max War Boys is a very good witness me. Yeah, (laughs) witness me. There's no spray chrome. But Mm -hmm. um, other than that, there's that little bit of insanity. Everything's covered in spikes and everything's like, ooh, let's see how we can do that really cool. (laughs) Uh, The doof warrior with the flamethrower guitar and things like that. Just amazing. (laughs) Up next, we have the Selesnia Conclave. They're green and white. They are a decentralized collective, variably described as selfless, nurturing, spiritual group, or brainwashing nature cult.
1: <laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat. Whatever, mind. One. yeah.
2: It involves itself in the establishment and maintenance of peace, life, and unity. Despite their superficial appearance of being good and peace-loving, in truth, the, the guild is just as hypocritical as it is sinister if not more so than the other Ravnica guilds. The Conclave often employs its quiet men and other members to silence the civilians of Ravnica and wreak havoc.
0: That's what makes me so sad because celestia guild like has like loxodons in it oh yeah and like the loxodon lore that i've created in my world is like loxodons are like one are the really coolest yeah. nicest races yeah. that are just like we accept everybody to the point where they've been killed because of that mm-hmm. <laughs> like and so like when i think of like the fact that they're like corrupt and i just look at those loxodon cards i'm like Aw. <laughs> but i like them <laughs> now you know.
2: Yeah. Now know they they very much put on this facade of like come join in us. Yes. We're going to be here and welcome you and help you nurture this tree. <laughs> and it turns out the tree is, you know, a dryad that wants to suck your soul dry. <laughs> uh, so th- there's very much like a peace and loving appearance to them. And they are good. They're green and white. So they have much, a lot of noble causes. But when it comes to the end of the day... Every guild in Ravnica is about making their guild more powerful. Yeah, I just imagine. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I I just imagine them as like the group where you talk to them at first and you're like, something's not completely. Not all the truth is being yeah. laid out here on the table. Like, what <laughs> in the world is going on here? Yeah, they're
2: definitely that group that you approach, and they're like, come, join us. Yeah,
1: And then all of a sudden, they're like, no, don't leave.
2: Never leave. Stay yeah. here forever. Yes. You yeah. are not allowed to leave. Do not leave. You must stay, or else we'll kill you. Oh, and the like, trees
0: have like moved so that you yep. cannot
1: actually leave. <laughs> well, yeah, and then if you leave, they have these these guys called the quiet men who will silence you They'll forever. You <laughs> You'll still be alive, but you like you, you can't you can't do anything and like I, can, I love that name. Yeah. No, like oh,
2: send yeah. out the
0: quiet men.
2: I, I wanna picture them like it's like an army when all their tongues have been
1: removed. Yeah. Like or like their mouths them have been sewed su- shut so, yeah.
0: with like branches. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Even like them them they themselves like have been silenced or mm-hmm. something. They've taken that vow of silence. Like, you have to be silenced to be a part of them.
0: They're seen as floating with white robes that you just see them come towards you. Well, what if, like, in your D&D world, you take this idea of the quiet men in a guild, and what if the only way a quiet man ever comes about is by silencing somebody? So instead of, like, killing them, you brainwash them into the point where they're just brainwashed quiet men who they eat to survive, and they live, but they, they're brainwashed, and the only thing they do is follow orders too. Make more quiet men when it is necessary. Yeah.
1: All right. So the last one we're going to talk about is the Simic Combine, and their colors are blue and green. And so the original purpose of the Simic Combine was to preserve the health of all Ravnican life forms. So you could essentially think of them as like the people that were doctors in the world originally. And so they devote they were devoted to the life of or to the study of life, medicines, and biomancy. But just as life can adapt, so did the Combine. And so they got into some really like weird things as, tra- as far as trying to like mix and match different things and trying to mess with the laws of medicine that probably shouldn't be messed with they were known as these biomancers and so their guild master at one point in time was so dissatisfied with the original purpose that he formed with a new purpose to improve upon the life of all ravnicans so you go from this group who's like yeah we're just here to preserve to now like we can make it better for people. We can mess with biological things to make people's lives better and possibly easier. And so the emotionally distant relationship that the Simic Biomancers have with the rest of Ravnica's society makes the common man very weary of this guild. And so <laughs> they they don't think of them as doctors anymore, but they think of them as like these crazy mutant makers. And so uh, the Simic make up the physicians of Ravnica, and so injuries and illnesses are taken to these reputable doctors. And so I imagine it's like one of these things that's like, Mom, I think I have the flu. Well, you better get over it, because we're not (laughs) going to go and see the Simic Combine. Or, my leg's broken. No, no. (laughs) Fix it yourself. We're not going there, because they're going to turn you into a mutant of some sort. So you broke your leg. Would you like to become part frog? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Well, it's interesting, because they have these things called cytoplasts as a part of them. And so they're like living tissues that are created out of different creatures and so one of the examples if you're a human and you lose an arm they might have these cytoplasts from a giant that they put where your arm is and it creates an arm but you get you start to get infused with like strength from that giant but at the same time these cytoplasts tend to take the physical characteristics of their hosts so somewhat camouflaging themselves. So you can't tell it's a huge, like, giant arm. It's not, like, five <laughs> feet longer than your normal arm, but it might have some weird properties that doesn't exactly look like a normal
0: human arm, which is really interesting.
2: Man, your fingers are really big. I can't really put my hand on it. What is – Wow.
0: <laughs> I feel like if the it Guild and the Simic Guild got together, they would – create some really, really messed up creations as
1: well <laughs> oh, would happen. Yeah. You have like a weird who has some of these cytoplasts taken on and it's just like, oh man, that would be crazy.
2: It's electricity elemental with a shark head. Like there's just all sorts of weird, crazy things that you can come <laughs> up with. But uh, as
0: far as like this as being something that would be considered monstrosities being done to people by some people in a DD world, some people would literally like Go after this guild and be like, I I want this. <laughs> like yeah. like I lost my arm in this war, and you're telling me I could have the power. Like I, like somebody who has felt powerless for a long time might want that giant mm-hmm. arm or like that yeah. squid tentacle for because that it would give them a sense of power, and then. As with all of these guilds that we have talked about, there may be this sense of belonging. <laughs> like, yeah. I have a squid arm, you have a giant arm, we're buds! Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of thing. The
2: Simic Guild is my personal favorite guild. I think the the concept of, like, life manipulators is a really cool thing to toy with. Mark's going to
1: have his brain cryogenically freezed <laughs> to be <laughs> yeah. brought back someday because he loves the Simic Was so that much. even
2: a question? <laughs> <laughs> this I would love to develop into a, a DD setting of, like, you know even a nation or a race where it's like people are like doing selective breeding within their nation of nobody has families anymore this select group of people decides who you get to mate with and selective breeding and all that stuff that goes with it of we are going to produce these people for our army. We're going to produce these people for our agriculture and take this concept and bring it to like 11 and <laughs> and have like these people who manipulate life and control everything about everyone.
1: I almost imagine like these guys could be extortionists in a way too, mm-hmm. where it's like they have these cytoplasts that they can attach to your arm and you grow a new arm, but the trade-off is you have to pay them X amount of money for the rest of your life, or they have something that they'll be able to kill that arm again, and you won't have it anymore. Like there that. was a
2: Jude Law movie that was like yeah, like it like could Repo be Man. it could be a yeah. really <laughs> interesting
1: means of like this is a great technology for anybody that like especially if you've lost like legs or something oh, like yeah. to be able to walk again fully is huge. Yeah, but it comes with a huge cost, and so I could imagine that that they could become extortionists really, really easily without even thinking about it.
2: What happens if you take one of these cytoplasm and slap it on somebody who's just fine? this guild is all about like hybrids and like mixing of genetics and stuff like that not necessarily genetics in the sense of like what we think but genetics as in like let's take a a dash of dolphin and a little bit of bull and all these like different species and kind of throw them in a pot and mix them together and see what happens (laughs) job of the hut with horns yeah right
0: well i think of too like what happens when they get somebody who's got, like, a fatal illness or something that they can fix, but in doing so, like, they turn them into a mutated monster, and so, like, you wake up after being put under by these Simic doctors, and they're like, oh, well, you're, I have good news, you're cured. And I have better news. Your bottom half of your body is now that of a scorpion. Mm -hmm. And like your, you would be. (laughs) And and their scorpion king was born. (laughs) (laughs) And then you might be like freaking out. And I mean, yeah, you'd be freaking out and you'd be angry and screaming. How dare you do this to me? But I mean, especially if we're talking about the world of like Ravnica, the idea of running back (laughs) with your scorpion body and going back to your guild of the Azoros guild and being like, they did this to me, might not be what you want to do because we've already covered these other guilds. They're not very like merciful and might not just be like, oh, come back in, buddy. But it might be a sense of like, we healed you. You're better. And now there's nowhere for you to go but to join us yeah. or to kill yourself because no one else will take you back. And it kind of like that. You have to join us now. Or you're going to be an outcast. And that could be taken in like a D&D world. And, oh, man, what if you just, what if that was the beginning of your adventure? Yeah. <laughs> like, make your characters. And then, uh, so tell me about your character. Okay, well, first all first battle, they get all, quote, unquote, TPK'd. And they wake up in a, in a strange lab. And they've completely been turned into mutated freaks. Or
1: even better for you, Mitch. <laughs> you could, I mean, these things are essentially called mutants and the cytoplasts are camouflaged within the human being. What if you were to create in your D D world, a type of people that's like the X-Men where yeah. it's like you create, like you put scorpion in them and they now have the ability to poison people or you put like a something from a bird and they now have the ability to grow wings and fly or something like, I mean, there's, there's so many endless possibilities that you could do with this. If you were to make those cytoplasts be camouflage, like it's, it's, it's crazy. a hard thing for
0: teenagers. Just like one teenager, just like my voice is changing. And the other teenager is like, well, I'm farting poisonous gas yeah, over right, here. Right, so yeah. I think I've got a little bit yeah. more of a problem to deal with. At least
2: your voice is
1: normal. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Now it's really silent, but deadly. <laughs> Uh. so those are all of the guilds we hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed the possibilities that were presented to you i know i've gleaned a lot and i have a lot of thoughts running around in my head about what guilds i need to incorporate in my world now so we want to thank you magic mark for coming on the show again and talking about guilds and all of the fun stuff that goes along there are there any last words that you want to say about guilds
2: they're awesome use them Sweet. Especially the Simic Guild. Sweet. Mutate <laughs> people freely.
1: <laughs> and if you have any magic cards that you want signed, you can email us and we'll be sure to get them to magic mark as well so thanks for being on the and show get you back
0: get, make sure that they get back to you
1: yeah. um, don't send them a really nice one because you won't get it back He'll we'll make it. sure
0: that you get it back
1: yeah
2: um, i haven't sold any magic cards in weeks
1: <laughs> anyways we hope that you enjoyed this show if you want to get in contact with us and talk to us about you know if you've ever used one of these types of guilds before or if you have a sweet idea about how to use these guilds or you just want to talk about anything. Uh, you can head over and send us an email on, at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can also send us a five-star review that helps us get in front of more people, helps people know that the show is actually good and worth listening to. So head over to iTunes and leave us a review, and it will be read on a future episode at the beginning. You can also find us on Podcast Addict and Stitcher and various other Android podcasting apps as well.
0: You can follow our Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block and you can also like our Facebook page. Both of those places, you can get updates on the show and all around D&D greatness. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Jason Petrilla!
1: Hey, thank you so much, Jason. We greatly appreciate your contribution to the show. You are helping us make the show as great as it possibly can. Jason Petrilla is a feared bronze dragon, oh, oh, oh. so fear him. He's getting to listen to some of the bonus pods, so yeah. maybe he's not listening to this episode right now, but hey, he is a part of the Dragon Guild now. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Well, that's all we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we talk about, of course, the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only
0: person capable of playing God.
1: Killing characters.
0: And lowering the egos of all other people at the table. Have a great night, everyone. Bye everybody. Keep on dungeon mastering.
1: I want to represent possibilities.
0: I want to represent the idea that we are what we choose to be. Yes, you can!
2: Bye.